write about Trying to figure out what it's all about Existentialist Am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know that was great sounds of Watts with Outside on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself, Prestige, with my partner in crime, Long Island raised, Elm City made, EZ Blues, is being one with his chi, is in the building. <laughs> EZ Blues, you're better with introductions more than me. Who do we have with us today on Behind the Brand? We are in a world that focuses very much on what is in the spotlight. We are in a world where you can look at an artist and you can see them on stage, but you never truly understand all the machinery that happens behind the scene. You never truly understand, unless you started watching that Wu-Tang series that came out on Hulu and you saw that it was not just the artist, that it was not just the videographer, that it was not just the songwriter but it was the man behind the curtain. Wu-Tang was established by RZA, but also established by his brother. The person that went into those meetings, the person that fought for the artist. And that today, we have one of those very people with us today. I want you to put your hands together, not if you're driving. If you're driving, please keep your hands at 10 and 2 so we don't get any accidents. But put your hands together for one of the men behind mm -hmm. the curtain. Kenneth Brown. Welcome, Benvenu, and welcome Behind the Brand. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Most definitely, man. Most definitely. Ah, there we go. Lighting's ah. a little bit better. Okay. <laughs> and great just face like that, like, we yeah. introduced him, and, 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 the, and the spotlight just comes light. on. And the spotlight <laughs> just comes right off. <laughs> but we're very happy that you're smiling. We have that great energy here for the show. Um, Ken. Just please tell myself and my colleague, Easy Blues, um, what got you started? Why did you want to go into the music business? Um, what got me started? What got me started was uh, I got like a bunch of friends who were like super, super talented um, singers, rappers, it producers, um, the whole the whole spectrum. And right. um, what happened was is that nobody had any anybody directing them so they were all like mm -hmm. doing a bunch of moves they were all making a bunch of moves but nothing was um like nothing was concrete or they didn't have people to like kind of guide them in the right directions mm -hmm. um so mm -hmm. i kind of took it upon myself at the time i was studying like music management and stuff like that in, in college mm -hmm. and, um and it part of my it, it really originally started as like part of a project um in, in class, I was supposed to just take mm -hmm. like a couple artists and try to come up with some promotion and some branding uh, for them at the time. And then what ended up happening was that it kind of just, you know, I kind of just ran with it. I did it for that, that semester project. You know, it was submitted, it was done, but they liked what I was doing so much that they asked me to keep going. And then from there, mm -hmm. it kind of turned into, you know, it was just like, hey, can you can you manage me? And then it, it turned into a um a constant working relationship and then you know three four projects later like we were we knew we were on to something at that point mm -hmm. oh nice 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 now just tell me about those early days um who were some of these little artists and not not students little artists it's disrespectful but who Ooh. were the artists that you were speaking to that um just that put that light bulb up top of your head like hey i can definitely take you further than you are right now 
Um, well, there's one there's one that you know very well uh, yes. by the name of, of, of Jr. Um, <laughs> Jerome. Um, he he was actually one of the first to to reach out. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we had we've been friends for forever, but right. he was one of the first that I noticed that had a, a different spark about them when it came to um, singing. And you know, we just right. kind of took a chance at it. Um, those early days, man, it was you know paying for studio sessions out your pocket, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, cashing in like you know family bonds to try to put some money in the studio for right. six or seven hours, you know, six seven hours, um, making deals with studio engineers, you know, becoming becoming really cool with some of them actually, um, mm-hmm. to the point where you know I even started getting behind the boards myself because I was learning what to do to try to um, right. to try to cut down on, you know, having to pay somebody so much money. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it was, it was, everybody was involved. Um, it was like a, the grind of it all. There's so much, uh, so much energy put into it. Uh, it was a lot, I want to say a lot harder back then because the internet wasn't really like it mm-hmm. is now. Right. Um, where you could just put your project out and it, it is out for the masses. Um, at that point when we started, CDs were still a thing. So right. again, right, you know, take taking whatever money you had and pressing it, you know, pressing CDs or uh, press junkets. Junkets were still a mm-hmm. thing at that point too. Uh, trying to get those press kits up, um, mm-hmm. sending them out to different people, trying to get in touch with DJs, make contacts, um, all like word of mouth type stuff. Social media wasn't as huge as it is mm-hmm. now so it, mm-hmm. it was you know a labor of it had to be a labor of love at that point in time um when you when you first start he's just seen a finger up in the air talk to me well and and for those who don't know um you know it's not like even back in in that day and and even to, to today um major labels don't accept everything that comes through the door right um in right. fact you need to have something called solicited material for them to even look at it and even at that point, uh, you know, two two thousand five, I believe, is, is is when everything started to kick off for you. Um, yep. You know, you st- if if you were solicited, you still had to stand out. So you know, you couldn't just send them a press kit that was in an envelope. That's boring. You know, I remember. You know, I've had management things that sent birthday, you know, gift wrapped aspects. You know, where it was just like a package, and they would open it up, and it had all the papers and stuff in there it was a completely different type of hustle than what you have today where distribution can be done through online and all those different things. You don't necessarily need big brother's budget today. Like you needed back then, just so that the the artists that are listening to it now be like, what are you talking about? Uh, It's easy to put the EPK together now. Yes, because it's an EPK. We're talking about when it was a PK. Wasn't right. electronic. You you know you had to take those pictures. You had to print those pictures. You know you had to put it all together. Where a one sheet was literally all that information on one sheet. Now a flash drive or an, or an email and everything is squared away. So it was a lot more work and a lot more grind aspect. But that doesn't mean your job is any less important today. In fact, it's a little bit more because now you're also managing the distribution aspects as well. What is that like? You know, when you're sitting there going, 
well, you know, we need to release this record, but we need A, B, C, and D. You know, because for those that don't know, each single only really has a three-month lifespan. And right. how do you nurture those artists through those three months? Yeah, um, it's got to be st strategic. Um, I used mm -hmm. to, I, I would tell artists um, immediately, um, like, winter, spring, summer is really your, like, Mm -hmm. the, the three the three times you want to hit somebody with a single and then follow mm -hmm. up with your pro you know in between the second and third one probably drop a project if you're going to drop one mm -hmm. and then drop your third single um but you always um what i hear now is that a lot of it is they have to stay relevant they have to stay relevant um and that is true but a, lo a lot of times what happens is that nobody pushes a single anymore um in those times, and I hate to sound like the old guy on the lawn, but in those times, <laughs> like you really had to, right? You really had to push the single. So, and again, mm -hmm. it, if you didn't know anybody, and this is even this isn't even like the big radio stations. This is even the indie radio stations. If you didn't mm -hmm. know anybody at those particular radio stations, it was still difficult for you to get airplay. Um, yep, and it. It was a learning process. Like even the radio right. stations in Connecticut, it was still a learning mm -hmm. process to get your foot in the door. And then even still, it wasn't guaranteed airplay. Um, right. Just because you got your foot in didn't mean that they were going to play your record. It just meant mm -hmm. that, okay, they, they know you now and maybe on the next go around, the next turn, maybe you, you'll right. get a shot. Um, but in between that time, again, it was, you know, I've seen artists do things like pull up just in downtown areas and just start mm -hmm. to perform. Um, I, mm -hmm. I want to say, you know, Jerome did that a few times. He pull up in the yep. area and just, just perform right then and there. And people, you know, started to feel the energy and then they would inquire about the song. And we had, again, you had CDs on hand because you were passing them out. It wasn't really right. a, you know, you were taking losses, a lot more losses than you had gains as far as monetary mm -hmm. was concerned. Um, because you had to give it away in order to get people's interest. Again, a couple, right. you know, fast forward a few years, the internet music-wise booms, and now everybody can log on to a SoundCloud or, um, you know, an Apple Music link or Tidal, and now they can access you as an artist right away. But at right. that point, mm -hmm. when, we first, when we first began, it was more of a going to different areas and kind of displaying your talent in those different areas so that people knew who you mm -hmm. were. And, and, and also let's, let's be clear with the artists. It's like, Oh yeah, we have that. That's that you're still taking a loss. Like right. your title play is not going to cover the expenses it took to record that record. You know, it's right. not going to cover the years it took to learn that instrument. So like you're still taking that loss. That loss is still very prevalent but now the reach is higher so that you can then play different aspects of it. You know, you're really trying to generate and you're going now from radio generation to playlist generation. You're generating that buzz so that when you have that live show, that person is going to come in and don't get me wrong. You're still going to take a loss on ticket sales, but yep. to quote the incredible Mel Brooks, merchandising, merchandising <laughs> where the real money of the movie is made you know, that's where you get that extra link because although I might only get 0 0.03 cents every time the song's played on Spotify, I get $7 every time a hat is sold. And I like that right. $7. Right. 
Um, and that's the one, that's the one area I wish that um, artists would learn to capitalize on is merchandising because with the music sales, and if you're not exactly like have your own merchandise, <laughs> um, music sales will get you, it'll make, it'll make you some money, but the majority mm -hmm. of it is going to be show money. And this is important for people to understand show money and merchandising are, is what's going to carry you through. Please don't ever look for anybody, especially nowadays. Don't look for anybody to give you a royalty check. And if they do, it's going to be very, very small. Mm. Um, because nowadays you have to promote yourself. There's no more mm -hmm. um, promotions departments at, at, at labels anymore. You are your promotion department. Everything you do mm -hmm. on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, that is your brand at that point. So also be very careful at what you do. That could be a good um, because, thing and a bad mm -hmm. thing. Right, it can be good and mm -hmm. bad, but you you know, people would say like any publicity is good publicity, but that's not always true because if you're an up and coming artist and you attach yourself to something negative, that's just how people are gonna view you and probably not pay attention to your music. Um, so just be careful with that. But as far as like merchandising, it's very important to have the online store set up. Um, mm -hmm. you know, just try to maximize that to the fullest and don't be afraid especially nowadays because you have the the outlet you have a social media outlet like push your brand i know it'll be annoying mm -hmm. to some people but i think a lot of artists don't push their brand enough it goes back to the same it goes back to the single they'll they'll put mm -hmm. it out they'll put it out on friday and then by tuesday they're talking about the next thing it's like right they barely even you barely even got listens but you're off right. to the next song. It's like, well, let me, you know, give me some time to get used to the first single before you give me a second and third right. one, et cetera, et cetera. Which comes to this question. How much of a sh of a shelf life for independent artists is a single for? I would say in, a, um, in this day and time, maybe like two to three months would be adequate mm -hmm. enough to get it on various different radio stations because right. it takes time for radio to get accustomed to new music or put it mm -hmm. in a playlist mm -hmm. and if you're off to the next single by the time they're playing the first one it's going to create some confusion amongst your fan mm -hmm. base and mm -hmm. the people at radio who are just starting to play your uh your new song um right and again that's all you know you learn that as time goes on um the first couple of releases we we rushed it like we put a song out and then we go back in and do another single and then we sit on it for maybe a couple of weeks and then we caught the itch where we couldn't hold the music and we just like put it out and we just putting it out everywhere and then we mm -hmm. realized we realized you know trial and error of course we realized in the later years like that was the wrong thing to do because people couldn't mm -hmm. even catch on to what the first song was by the time we put the second one out um right so like with with jerome that was a lesson learned and then as i started gathering more artists i took the lessons from him and kind of it was much easier to deal with you know artist two and then artist three and so forth and so mm -hmm. on how do you have how do you handle multiple personalities when it comes to being a manager you have to you have to remain like very calm you also right. have to be like you know their their voice of reason at times because mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of artists 
believe, you know, they believe in themselves. They're supposed to. Um, and sometimes with that, though, comes an ego. Um, and sometimes you have to be the person to say, like, hey, you know, such and such idea is it's good on paper, but it's not great at the moment. And, you know, say it in a way that they can deal with sort of, I guess you could say, the rejection of their ideas, mm-hmm. but not not that they get, you know, too pissed off or in their feelings um, mm-hmm. to, to a point. You have to also, you know, understand that they may not like your ideas either. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I've run into that several times where I might say an idea, let's go on this show and do this, for example, in the art, you know, let's, if they ask you to freestyle, like, don't, don't say no, like, do it. And the artist mm-hmm. may not be, you know, may not be up to freestyle that night, or, you know, right. may just want to just have the conversation and, and go. And, you know, you have to be able to understand that they're artists, and they're, they're protective mm-hmm. of their craft, and displaying it on every radio show may not be the best thing for them, or, you know, in their best mm-hmm. interest. Um, So you have to, you know, it has, you have to play the game the right way as far as, you know, knowing what the times to push and then knowing the times to pull back um, because you don't want to lose the artist. Uh, you always want to be able to maintain that work and relationship. And that seems that, you know, that's the most important part. Um, right. Once the relationship goes south and they feel like they don't yeah, need no. you anymore, then, you know, mm-hmm. you, you start to lose them as, you know, they start checking in less and less and then, you know, you you find you find yourself like, oh, they're doing that on their own, and you out the loop, and you don't know what's going mm-hmm. on, and then that that just turns into a bad thing. So, yeah. um, just with different conversations I have with a lot of independent artists and managers, and just from like different platforms, um, do you feel a lot of people confuse promotion with management? Mm-hmm. I think the line starts to get blurred a little bit because mm-hmm. the manager's role starts to you start to encompass so many roles. Right. Um, like I said before, in the beginning, you know, with Jerome, it was, it was like manager promotion. It was sometimes a studio engineer. You start to do so many different things that the lines do get blurred. Um, mm. But manage, management is helping them to make the right choices right. when it comes to, you know, certain moves that they feel that they have to make as artists and bringing them, opportunities it's not just mm-hmm. you know letting them get all the opportunities bring them the opportunities the one thing i right. would do with prospective artists um and i did this with an artist named uh venus uh she's a female uh rapper mm-hmm. um before i even started managing her i got her music played on the radio i did right. it just right. we we you know we've known each other for a long time um and i took like one of her singles that you know i felt was a good record and just gave it to like every dj i knew and then the mm-hmm. responses were coming back that they would play the song and mm-hmm. so what i did was i um i took all the emails and i just kind of sent them to her just like randomly right. and she like right. te- she texts she texts me like what do you what what what's happening and i'm like mm-hmm. hey, you know this place is playing your song or new york is playing your song connecticut right. you know philadelphia etc and she's like well, how did that happen? And I'm like, well, I had the project. It was sitting, you know, when mm-hmm. I remember I asked you for those couple songs and it was sitting in my email and I just decided to send them off. And then that's how that relationship started. And then from there, right. that was around the time of the the Instagram and the, the Twitter age of that happening. So then it mm-hmm. made it, 
it made it easier for other people now you know twitter bio was like management you know i left my email people will contact me through dms it 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 right. started to get you know it started to pick up steam and so went from two artists to then i slowly i slowly gathered a third um another female rapper um at the time and mm-hmm. it you know i capped it at that point at that point because i wanted to be able to focus on the three artists that i had and be able to push them all in different you know they were each different artists in their own right. Um, like Jerome was right. very laid back, but he he'd go in and make seven songs, six songs in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Venus Venus was very aggressive. She would go out and perform concerts, and she would you know pull up to TV shows, and and she did all of that. And then the third Vera Vera Black, she was very relaxed and very like humble at everything that was happening. Um, and so you had to, in each of those, you know, each of those artists, you had to be like each of those personalities. So right. whenever I would talk to, whenever I would talk to Jerome, it would just be, all right, how many songs you got done? When Let's talk about expected dates for projects, singles, et cetera. With Vanessa, right. it was always like, you know, what what shows do you want to do next? I'll go and get these opportunities. But you had to be aggressive because the way that she moved, her timeline was is it was very it was very quick. It had to be like kind of chop 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 chop. She always mm-hmm. wanted to, she always wanted to keep working. So you had to be on on the go all the time with right. opportunities. Um, it wasn't like a week that went by that I didn't have like three or four opportunities, whether it was interviews or you know contemplating video shoots or shows. Had to line line it up. And for Vera, it was her first time. So she was, she was green, as we say. So mm-hmm. if I could, you know, simple stuff would, she was humbled by it. If, if we got one radio spin, she was like blown away. Cause she never thought right. that people would take her music seriously, but, and you know, it, it comes across that way. So my aggressiveness with her was just, trying to put the confidence and the battery in her back to understand right. that hey you, you're an artist like you're here for a reason and, and you can mm-hmm. do this um with the other two i didn't really have to do that they came in kind of ready they were ready to go but you mm-hmm. still right. have sometimes you know still sometimes you have to nudge them as well um mm-hmm. and maybe nudge nudging them in the right direction to do, keep doing the right thing and not right. you know fall off fall off the face of the earth Tough love. <laughs> at times Right, tough one. Right. <laughs> make, the, make the right decisions. Yeah. Well, no, it, it's it's really it's really super important because like a lot of people don't truly understand. Um, back in the seventies, artists really weren't paid that well for live shows. It wasn't right. until Phil Graham, you know, forced Madison Square Garden to fully compensate. And when I say forced, it was it wasn't nice. Um, he did some. Things. I gotta force he this though. Nice WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City made EZ Blues is in the building. EZ, hope I didn't lose your train of thought. Go ahead. Not at all. I, I can talk about Phil Graham a, a million <laughs> all day long. Um, <laughs> you know, he was he was a bouncer, you know, and he had a, a, a big stature about himself. Um, and he said, okay, cool. Um, we want. 75% of the gate or we're not going to play. Um, and, uh-huh. you know, the venues understood 25% of Led Zeppelin 
was better than 0% of Led Zeppelin. Uh, and that is, you know, a huge aspect of, of what managers do. Um, when it comes down to live shows, I know in, in CT, dealing with a lot of local artists and stuff like that, there is a tendency to oversaturate. Um, playing a whole bunch of live shows, playing too much, playing the same venue every single month on a specific date. And that can, you know, in the beginning be phenomenal for an act. But as you mature, it could also be a death note for an act. How do you navigate that with the acts that are that are under your management? I mean, I, I did I did the, the complete opposite. I sent people we went everywhere but Connecticut right. first. Right. Um, so we would do New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, mm -hmm. Virginia, DC, Maryland, and then loop our way back around to Connecticut. Mm -hmm. um, just because the same thing with, you know, radio play too. Like the people here, it gets oversaturated. You got a million and one artists. Mm -hmm. So if I take our music and go elsewhere and they like it, Connecticut mm -hmm. will catch Connecticut home home base as I used to say home base will catch on. They may catch on first, right. they may catch on last, but they'll catch on. Um, so right. I used to do I used to do the different route. I would go out and mm -hmm. then come back in, um, just right. to kind of prove it and see if it worked in different areas first. And then if it didn't, you know, if it didn't catch, then okay, let's go back to the drawing board and try again. Um, but every now and then, you you'd hit gold and you mm -hmm. just pushed it until. You know, you can't push it anymore. Um, there you go. That's you awesome. Now, also, how do you how do you move forward with um the actual promotion? Because promotion isn't nowadays in, isn't necessarily done the same exact way. Um, where pr promotion is more public relations. Um, and right. how do you do that with your, your different interviews or reviews of particular singles and stuff like that? Is there a secret, or do you just want people to hit you up so you can do it for them? Um, what I've noticed uh, over the, over time is that if you, like, you put it out, people will eventually review it. Um, right. if they know you, if they know you and they know the artist well enough, they'll send you their personal thoughts and reviews on, on the music. It's rare that I had to ever mm -hmm. hit somebody up and say, Hey, review this for me. If they heard right. it and they liked it, they let me know. If they didn't like it, they said, ah, not so much. And, you know, try try again or give give me another one, you know, and then we go dig and we, we get another one and then we bring it back. Mm -hmm. um, it was like a, always like a trial and error kind of thing and just kind of seeing, you know, what sticks. If, if the song stuck, we kept it going. If it didn't stick or stuck with some people, then that's when – at most times we bring out another single um we get you a b-side to maybe the first single mm -hmm. and try and try that one in a different in a different area so for example if we got a song in connecticut and it's it's good but that same song didn't go over so well and let's say new york or new jersey we would definitely right. put out a different song in that just specifically for that area um i did try that method and it does work to some degree because the songs that mm -hmm. you feel like you know, will work everywhere. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes in certain places mm -hmm. they work and sometimes, you know, others they won't. The same same thing with, you know, the other two young ladies. Um mm -hmm. certain song certain songs worked in certain places. And again, trying to keep them from getting discouraged when a certain radio station or certain, you know, state wouldn't 
like the music, it's just like, hey, give me another song and we'll try it. We'll try it and we'll see what happens. And then mm-hmm. they kind of, you know, they have artists have to earn your trust. Um, and if they right. can trust your judgment, then they'll know that you're able to, you know, guide their career in the right way. Mm. That's awesome. They say you can tell a hit within five to ten seconds. Is that true? I usually would be able to tell you if it was going to work by the first time. Yeah, about the hook. The first hook, I'd be able to tell you. The beat drop, mm-hmm. the first hook, around that point in time. If if it didn't make, you know, if it didn't make me nod my head or if it didn't, if I didn't move, if I didn't move, then it's like, no, let's try another one. <laughs> because you, you can tell most people have the same type of um, feeling. Right. And what I've what I've learned from people that listen to music is, is that the beat is what captures them first. So if the beat mm-hmm. didn't capture, if it didn't capture me, it was kind of like, okay, well, let's see what they're talking about first. And then if it didn't capture me by the time again I heard the hook, I was kind of like, no, not so much. Um, and again, those conversations aren't easy to have. I make it sound easy, but <laughs> they're sort of in their feelings at that point because as an mm-hmm. artist you're in that you're in the booth and you're recording and it, you know you spent i don't know hour two hours recording it and you yeah. feel like this is a creative masterpiece and then somebody who's coming in and just listening to it um or the, you know they may have been with you the whole session but they're listening to it back and then like nah that's not working it, it would mm-hmm. it would piss you off it would make you mad like it would make you upset mm-hmm. And so you have to again approach it, approach it with caution, but you have to also tell them the truth. And I think a lot of what's happening now is that artists aren't being told the truth. Like I hear songs right. on a daily basis, and it's like, who allowed you to release this? Um, <laughs> I mean, the, it'll it'll hit one of the criterias. Like the beat will mm-hmm. be nice, but then the hook is like terrible. Oh, so Lord. by the time you get right, by the time you get to the hook, you don't want to hear it anymore. Um, but if the artist is popular at that point, you could just put out anything and you know that some part Mm -hmm. of the fan base will listen to it. You know, major artists understand that at some point they can put out whatever it is, but their fan base is so loyal that Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll listen to anything. Indie artists have that, don't have that luxury because they're building, Mm -hmm. most times they're building a fan base. And the fan base can become very fickle and you could lose them if your song isn't up to the standard of maybe what the first one was. So you have right. to like pick, you have to pick your singles with caution. And yeah. almost because you don't want to lose the people that you gathered as fans. Right. No, it, it's, it's super interesting. And I'm, I'm really glad you actually brought that up because, you know, you really have to be very selective on, on what goes out there. And you also have to understand that just because you don't think it should go doesn't mean it's not going to go. Um, you see that a lot right. with social media. You see that a lot with like the TikToks and different things like that. You know, and you hear it from the, the, the content creators, you know, the video that I thought was going to be absolutely amazing, 20 people saw. The video that was a complete and total throwaway that I just did as a joke, 1.8 million people saw. Um, so you, right. you can't 100% know what's going on or, you know, but you can hope. Um, and we've actually had some incredible artists on here that talk about the value of a no man. Um, you know, we are in an industry that has been built by yes men, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you don't want to tick off the artists, you know, 
we, we've had, you know, all those different conversations that happen, but it is so super important. It is so super important to have that person be like, this is a really, this is a really bad idea. And not like one of those, this is a really bad idea that could be huge later. Um, or this is just a bad idea and you shouldn't go out that way. You shouldn't represent yourself that way. And that is one of the most important things of having a team behind you and having a team that isn't scared for their job. Right. You know, you know, you bring value, you understand your value and you stand up, you stand up when it's important to stand up. So I want to give you your flowers for that. Um, so thank you very much for, for, for having that, that uh, perspective out there. Thank you. You know, it's, it's not, it's not easy. Um, mm -hmm. Cause like you said, it, it's a bunch of yes men around. Um, and to mm -hmm. be able to have the confidence and the backbone to say, you know, okay, do I don't think you right. should do that, but have a because a lot of times artists are looking for a reason. They, you you mm -hmm. can say no, but they want to know why are you going to say no. You just leave them with a flat no. They'll tell you, all mm -hmm. right, okay, and maybe they'll spin around and do it without you knowing. Um, right. But if you give them a reason, like, yeah, hey, I don't think that's gonna work, or you know, in this case, like maybe you should go a different route and you have a concrete right. explanation, they're more likely to listen to you as opposed to just, like I, like I said, either just yes and okaying it because, again, you don't want to hurt their egos, you don't want to hurt their feelings, um, or just flat out saying no because you feel like, eh, that's stupid. Um, but right. kind of give them a reason, you know, give them a reason why and maybe they'll be more apt to listen to you because I think that's a lot of right. it too. Communication is also very key. Um, you can't really have unspoken words when it comes to a manager and artist relationship. You have mm -hmm. to say everything that's on your mind because right. you don't want anything like lost in translation. Because uh, right. once things start getting lost in translation, then, you know, the relationship starts to break down. And again, like I said before, artists will start to do things on their own or, you know, try to find a way to do it without you knowing. And if you're a good right. manager, most most people, if they see the artist doing something without you, they'll call you and let you know um, that, mm -hmm. hey, you know, I spoke to so-and-so and they're trying to no negotiate something. Did you know? You know, and then you, mm -hmm. again, approach it the correct way. Like if you have to approach right. the artist in that way. Don't ever like run up on them and start screaming and being all angry. Um, approach them the right way, though, and just have that conversation. I think, uh, again, a lot of artist relationships and manager relationships could have been saved over time because people mm -hmm. stop stop talking to each other. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and that's that's relationships as a whole. Um, you know, communication right. is always going to be key. And also, you know, people need to understand that even the greats in the industry, have made mistakes in this industry. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a story of um, the first signing of the Black Crows when they were Mr. Crow's Garden and they worked with Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin just signed them. To, they were going to be the first rock act released on uh, Deaf America Records. And he's like, okay, no problem. I want you all to dress in overalls and we're going to call you the Cobb County Crows using all K's. That's a horrible idea. Right. <laughs> that's, that's bad. You know, no, we're not going to do that. So as much as, yes, you have to stand up on the management aspect, the artist has to be able to be able to, to, to check the manager as well and be like, we're not going to do that. I think, I think that's an absolutely ridiculous idea. And, um, I, you know, me personally, I've, I've sat in those, in those meetings 
I mean, personally, mm-hmm. I've had people give me really bad ideas and I've lost a lot of money because I didn't take those really bad ideas, but I've kept my integrity and I'm still able to be an artist moving forward. Um, you know, how do you, like, who's your sounding board? Um, I was sound off because it, the way, the way that the relationships were, were set up. So Jerome, Jerome has an older brother named Chris, who's mm-hmm. actually his, his, I would say his main producer um, during mm-hmm. that, that point in time. And myself and him, we would talk a lot often just off, you know, off the record um, about certain things that, you know, because that's his older brother. So we're both watching. We both watching the career. I'm I'm leading it. But as his older brother, mm-hmm. he could kind of tell me, you know, he knows his brother in and out. Like he, he knows him. He knows when he's about to, you know, make the right. We're about to make the right decision or the wrong one. So a lot of times when it came to decisions about what we were doing for him, um, we would we would talk and I'd be like, you know, he brought back this idea, but I don't really know if I agree with it. And he would be like, well, you know what? It's a trial and error kind of thing. Right. And so I would, you know, I would just sound off with him most times because he was he was a voice of reason. Um, and, you know, a lot of times managers need voices of reason, too. Um, we can't just assume that we know everything. I mean, we know majority of it because we're leading the artists into mm-hmm. their decisions. But there's going to come a time when we need to get some information or some wisdom from somebody else. And it's it's it is important. Um, in the beginning, I didn't have one, so I would just, you know, mm-hmm. random randomly just you know kind of type out a bunch of notes in my iPhone and just be like this is crazy, and just kind of <laughs> delete it after typing it. But right. when I decided to you know talk to other people again in the field, uh, people that I knew that were you know musicians or um, you know even executives and in, in on indie labels or, you know, some sort of way and just kind of see how they felt, pick their brains a little bit. It made me feel better about decisions that I was making or, you know, telling artists not to make because again, the most of the mistakes that are made are because people don't talk. And if you don't, you know, if you're not communicating, then you don't have a great relationship and the artist isn't going to really succeed either. Mm -hmm. Mm. Thank you so much for that answer. That's awesome. Um, now you you've spoken a lot about you know your your you deal with hip hop and R and B artists and stuff like that. Um, have you ever thought about jumping into different genres, or are you comfortable where you're at? I got asked to do um, a couple different genres, um, rock being one of them. Um, there was another genre I can't even remember at this point. It was a long time ago, but mm-hmm. I did get asked. I did get asked to do um, other genres for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Could I do it? Yes. The comfort level of the artists that I have or work with or, you know, worked mm-hmm. with in the past. Um, the reason why it was so comfortable and so easy was because, you know, I, I knew them all on some personal right. level. Um, whether it was you know school school days or just you know through family connections, I knew everybody that I was working with. Um, so it made it easier than as opposed to like introducing yourself. But I did have well, let me let me go back. I did have an artist all the way in Texas. Now the wow. crazy part, yeah, the crazy part behind that was is that I was again managing 
the young lady Vera, um, mm-hmm. and they did a they did a song together, mm-hmm. and I guess he was impressed with the way like her social media and stuff, which I was running. Um, mm-hmm. He was impressed with the way that social media and things like that were being run, and the way her projects were being presented and put put out, and the amount of radio play that she was receiving at the time. He was like very impressed, so he reached out to me and asked me to. I wouldn't say manage because he had his own popularity in his area. It was mm-hmm. more or less like, could I offer consult consultation almost or okay. consultant? Um, could I help him get into a bigger market, which would be at his point he was mm-hmm. in that da- he was in Dallas, so he wanted to be able to reach out towards more of the East Coast, and I had a couple right. of connections in you know the West as well, like California. So he was trying to get his music pushed out to more of the East and the West Coast um, as far as he was concerned. And so at first, you know, I thought about it. I'm like, man, Texas, Texas, Connecticut, all we can do is communicate by like phone. Um, And again, you know, this is pre like Zoom, but FaceTime though. So FaceTime was heavy. Um, You know, phone calls. I think we spent a lot of time on the phone. and just kind of made it work that way. Like studio sessions, I'd be on FaceTime and just trying to like coach him and guide him through like picking the singles and stuff like that. And, you know, it worked. Like he was able to get his music played like across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that let me know that, you know, nothing could really stop you from from doing music. It can't. There's no barrier right. now. Nowadays, you know, in this time period, there's nothing that can stop you from doing music or managing or consulting somebody's career. There's nothing that can mm-hmm. stop. There's no barrier that can stop you. You can you can literally do it through your phone, and it can be successful mm-hmm. if you do it. You know, if you do it the right way. The right way on WNHHLP one hundred three point five FM New Haven. Myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City made EZ Blues is in the building. We got Ken Brown with us on behind the brand. Ken, you talked about like you can do stuff on the phone the right way. What is the worst way? to do it on the phone is mm. the inconsistency that's probably number one okay. um mm-hmm. you know inconsistency not being available for the artist right um and at that point if you feel yourself you know not being available it may be time to you know put them in contact with other people and kind of step mm-hmm. aside um like i i was doing all that at that time i had a younger son um he's now older but I didn't have my second son yet. So I was doing all this with like a family attached to it. You know, I had a wife, got mm-hmm. wife and kids right. and and you know, it it was it was hard sometimes because mm-hmm. the art artist has a show and you know, your kid may have a recital and you gotta be like, all right, mm-hmm. well, okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go to the show and kid, I'll catch a recital, I'll catch the next one. And being able to like space all that stuff out, like it was it was difficult. But because you know, my family was understanding that I'm holding these people's, you know, careers in my hands at, at to an extent. Um, they were, you know, very flexible with me um, and they understood. So you have to be able to be consistent. If you can't be consistent, don't try to be somebody's manager because they crave consistency. Artists crave consistency from their team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like second nature for them. If, 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 you know, if you're not getting them consistent work, they're going to find somebody else. Um, 
it you know it just mm-hmm. you know it's something that you have to deal with um but artists at least the artists that I worked with in in the past very understanding that you know I do have a family and I do have to you know take care of their needs too um but I'm all if you need me I'm always phone call away you call me I'll get online with whoever I need to talk to put you in the right directions and I'll be there when it's time to you know show up and do what we have to do um but you you know everybody ha- all facets of it have to work together so the artist almost becomes like your family almost because they you know they get integrated into your your life mm. um and you you know right. have to be ready for that and if you're not again if you're not ready for it don't bother don't do trying it. to do it gotcha mm-hmm. um i was at a music conference a couple years back and there was a producer panel and they said mm-hmm. they had to get to know the artist have to have lunch with them mm-hmm. Uh, just walk yep. around the park with them just to get inside their brain just a little bit. Uh, not like pretty much of like a cop, like interrogator aspect, but just like a sort of bond aspect uh, just with that artist, just so they can know the right notes to press, um, the right um, approach to do for a song. It's a little bit the same way when it comes to management. You have to have that great strength bond with that artist. If not, it's not going to work out. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely say you have to have a vibe, mm-hmm. um, catch the vibe with the artist. Right. Um, what I would do in the beginning, even before managing, I would, you know, sit in on a session of course. Um, and just kind of pick their brains um, okay. and try to see, try to see what they were, if, if where I was going in my mind with their vision was where they saw themselves. Um, and if it matched up, then I knew we were in a good space. Um so I, I did that with each each artist, um, even even the gentleman from Texas that I did the consulting with. Like I just kind of picked his brain like randomly, and when I, when I saw that we were like on the same wavelength as far as like you know we both family men, but we love music, and that, that's kind of what mm-hmm. was drawn you know drew us together. I was like, yeah, I could I could consult, I can help you through this your projects because we're on the same we're on the same length we're, we're doing the same vibe um i feel like that's like one of the key things um and picking an artist that you're going to manage is that they're working to do the same thing that you are i always say that right. the man the manager and the artist have to work together one can't work more than uh one can't work harder than the other right right of course you gotta you gotta yeah. have that you gotta have symbiotic yeah, that yeah. good work connection. Even though I was right. yeah, that's how me and easy work. I'm slurring my words, he picks me right back up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was trying to say symbiotic because we're both Venom fans. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> oh man. Cam, we only got so much time left in the broadcast. You gave us a lot of great information, a lot of great detail just in your career and just working with different other people, especially when it comes to out of state and just networking and just so much within this onion. And I, I definitely can see there's so many layers, but it's so little time we have. Um, we'd like to give this last couple of minutes to our guest. One, just give a little bit uh, inspirational advice for someone else who goes to a similar path as you. Uh, number two, please give a rest of your social media and any future artists and anything, you know, that you have planned for yourself in 2023 since you always have this nice work cycle you have. So go right ahead. Right. Um, as far as like inspirational, man, I would just say, 
if you love it, then don't ever don't ever leave it. Like don't ever quit. Um, I almost made that mistake. Like I almost quit. I almost mm-hmm. gave up. Like I almost felt like, man, this is this is just too much. But every time, right. you know, every time I would try to leave it alone, some way some artist comes back and they need help with this and I need help with this. And so you you can't leave it alone. Like it's not going to leave you alone almost. Um, so never, 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 never quit. You'll you'll find a level right. of success that you can be happy with, um, and you have to hold on to that. Um, mm-hmm. As far as social media, um, I use more Instagram than anything else, so I'll give you that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it is at Kenneth J Brown twenty four. Again, that's Kenneth. That's K E N N E T H J B R O W N two four. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I think it'll link you to my Facebook um, as well. I don't use Twitter anymore, but um, mm-hmm. definitely definitely find me on Instagram. Um, and then as far as like future artists, or any if, if you have a strong work ethic and you, you do want to be able to reach another market that you haven't tapped into, then I would definitely say that I'm the person to help you reach those goals. Um, just please mm-hmm. come prepared to to put in the hours necessary. It's not going to be an overnight mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Um, it may seem, it may feel like it, it may seem like it, but it takes a lot of, a lot of hours and a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Please be, you know, be able to dedicate that time to it because you only get right. in, you get out of it what you put into it. Right. Easy. Anything you want to say before we go off? No, man. Like, I love the fact that you just stated progress is a slow process. So, you know, you have to really be in there. Um, I appreciate everything you do. Uh, part of me does wish you jumped into the rock world a little bit because I could definitely use, you, <laughs> use your uh, your work ethic and your frame of mind. Uh, but that's just because I'm massively selfish and I, and I want good things to happen for me. Um, but Sam's all that. Like um, moving forward, what is the one big 2023 release that you can talk about? Um, so far, I've been working with uh, Jerome, uh, the the R&B mm-hmm. singer. So he's going to be the next one to come up in 2023. We're actually working on some uh, some singles or a single right now. Um, it's probably going to come out at the top of 2023. So everybody, please be on the lookout for that. Nice. Ken, there you go. thank you so awesome. much for being a part of this broadcast on WNHHLP 103.5 FN New Haven, myself, Prestige, and EZ Blues. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you too, man. Trying to figure out what it's all about Excellent chalice Am I worth anything or just a scout? 